to the Case by Case Basis podcast where we don't always agree with black people or white people, Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, liberals, gay or straight. We just take the information that we have been given, look at it, evaluate it, make a decision on how we feel about it on a case by case basis because that's what we think everyone should do. The NFL draft wrapped up this weekend. And I just wanted to give my take on it. Should probably be the final take uh, today. No one else going to talk about it until the season starts. You know, then we'll start evaluating, giving real grades, because I've never understood how they give these grades as to how teams did right after the draft and no one's played it down yet. I'm like, you're not going to see how good the draft was for at least another two to three years. But anyway, that's them. If they want to do that, I guess that's TV. You know, you have to fill that time. So giving draft grades and saying this team did this and this team gets an A, this team gets a C without anyone playing any downs yet. I wish I could have done that in school. I wish somebody could have said, well, you know what? We think Daryl is smart. We're going to give him an A just because of what we think he's going to do. But you know what? That's crazy. Anyway, the most interesting thing that I took from the draft was the Philadelphia Eagles and their relationship, it seems like, with the Georgia Bulldogs. The Philadelphia Eagles are basically becoming the professional Georgia Bulldogs. They're like University of Georgia North. You know, I mean, they took Jalen Carter, right, with the ninth overall pick. And a lot of people thought he should have gone earlier. But, you know, he had the situation with the speeding and, and the situation that happened with his teammate and one of the Georgia staffers. Well, they got into an accident and, you know, they passed. The two, 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 uh, the two people, young people, they lost their lives in that accident. And, you know, he was basically accused of racing. And, you know, that people say that, that caused him to drop. But the Eagles still took, it, took him at number nine overall because he is a great prospect. But later on, with the 30th overall pick, they took Nolan Smith, also from the University of Georgia, on that defense. Now, when you, when you add that to the 105th overall pick this year, uh, where they picked Kaylee Ringo in the fourth round. Then last year, they picked Jordan Davis in the first round with the 13th overall pick. And the Kobe Dean in the third round with the 83rd overall pick. The Philadelphia Eagles are just becoming Georgia North. Five players, all on the defensive side of the ball. You only have 11 men playing. Now, uh, do we think all of them are going to start? I don't know. Probably not, but... You have five players all on the defensive side of the ball drafted from one school in two, in, in two drafts. Then what do they do? At the end of the draft, in the seventh round, they switch picks with the Detroit Lions and they bring in DeAndre Swift from, you guessed it, University of Georgia. Now, DeAndre Swift, he's also from Philadelphia. So that's going to be a good look. You know, he played his high school ball in Philadelphia. I remember when he came to University of Georgia, I was thinking, I said, man, how did Penn State let that guy get out of the state? But I digress. Anyway. 
So you have DeAndre Swift, and then you have the other guys that were drafted to the Philadelphia Eagles, along with them signing uh, Jalen Hurts. Man, they're going to be good this year, man. They're going to be good this year because, look, let me tell you all something. I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan. Jalen Carter is a beast. Y'all already saw Jordan Davis is a beast. Look, I mean, Nolan Smith is a beast. So the Philadelphia Eagles got them some good draft picks, man. No, look, Kirby Smart is basically building a farm system to the NFL. I'm going to get to that later on in this segment. But look, these guys that he's picked, that he's recruiting and coaching up with his staff is just remarkable. So, I mean, it's going to be really, really exciting to see what the Eagles does, what the Eagles do with these guys uh, coming to their team. But, and, and this thing, this, all of these guys are under 25. You know, so, I mean, Kaylee Ringo is only 20. And Jordan Davis is 23. DeAndre Swift, I think he's the oldest. He's 24. Jalen Carter is 22. Nolan Smith is 22. And Nicobe Dean is 22. So they can conceivably shore up this defense. And we don't know what uh, DeAndre Swift is going to do. But I think, well, he was really, really good with Georgia. So with him, they could literally shore up this defense easily next three to five years. Easy. You know, if, if they make the team. Well, to, to, yeah, their first round picks, they're making the team. So, I, it, it just made me think. Do the Eagles have scouts that just go to, that, no, okay, you go here, you go. The rest of y'all, y'all just go down to University of Georgia and see what we can get. That's who we're going to, that's who we're going to recruit. Just University of Georgia guys. <laughs> Which is it, it, funny, but I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see. And, you know, but University of Georgia, they, 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 overall, they had 10 players drafted, though. So other players drafted uh, from the Bulldogs, you know, Broderick Jones, offensive tackle. He went number 14 overall to the Steelers. And, you know, they're probably looking, of course, to protect last year's first-round pick, uh, Kenny Pickett, and also to open holes to Najee Harris. So the Steelers, uh, they're, they're looking to shore up their, their offensive line, and, and they got a pretty good one. Uh, in uh, Broderick Jones. Uh, also, the Steelers, they also took uh, Darnell Washington at tight end from Georgia. So that could also help with blocking and also it could help uh, Kenny Pickett, you know, if he needs to dump some passes down because he's a pretty good uh, receiving tight end as well. So it's uh, it's it's interesting, you know. So, and they got... Uh, uh, Darnell Washington in the third round. They took him with the 93rd overall pick. Now, what was interesting to me also was the Los Angeles Rams. They also took two Bulldogs. They took Warren McClendon in the sixth round with the 174th overall pick. We'll see if he makes the team. But they also took Stetson Bennett the fourth. Now, I made an episode about Stetson Bennett the fourth because he had an incident in Dallas. And 
draft analysts were saying that he'll, he'll probably go maybe fourth, fifth round. And he wound up going in the fourth round. So it didn't really affect his draft status, this, the, the, the incident that happened in, in Dallas where he was, uh, he, he was stopped for uh, public drunkenness. So, uh, so that didn't really affect his status. Uh, so it, it's, it's going to be interesting as well because of where he went. He's going to be basically backing up uh, Matthew Stafford, who also went to the University of Georgia. So that could be a pretty good look for him because, you know, you have the guy who's in front of you, who's the top quarterback in the quarterback room. You guys went to the same school. He's 35 years old. He's probably looking to transition out of football right now. And he's, he wasn't, it's not like he was a first round pick. So they're not, I don't think they're looking for him to take over the job within, within the, the, the first six or seven games or even this year at all. So he has time to develop under a guy who who's won a Super Bowl. Uh, he's done great things in this league. So he gets to learn from a guy who basically, and you guys have the same alma mater. So that's going to be a good look for, that's a great situation, basically for Stetson Bennett IV. So if he can make that team, That'll be a good look for him. And, uh, you know, that'll be really, really good. So uh, the other three Bulldogs that were selected was Chris Smith II, who was taken in the fifth round with the 170th overall pick. He went to the Las Vegas Raiders. Robert Bill Jr., the defensive end, who went uh, to the San Francisco 49ers in the fifth round with the 173rd overall pick. And Kenny McIntosh, who was drafted by the Seattle Seahawks in the seventh round with the 237th overall pick. So it was a big night for the University of Georgia. You know, University of Alabama, they also had 10 picks, including uh, they had two of the top three picks. They had Bryce Young, who went number one overall to the Carolina Panthers. And they also had Will Anderson Jr., who went to the Texans. Right behind C.J. Stroud, who the te- Texans picked up as well. So the Texans, they basically anchored both sides of the ball with, with two picks, potentially. You have a big, strong quarterback, C.J. Stroud, out of Ohio State. People expecting great things from him. And Will Anderson Jr., I'm going to say this. That guy is going to be a beast. And if he's not, okay, you know, well, we're not going to know. Like I said, we could know right away. But even if he starts off slow, they'll probably give him two or three years. He, he was the first round pick. But I think I, I think he's going to make an, an, an immediate impact. You know, D'Amico Ryan is, is 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 the new coach down there. I'm I'm, I'm expecting uh, great things from him. You know, black young black coach. Uh, I'm excited for him and uh, congratulations to him on getting that job. I was lamenting the Houston Texans for years for the past two or three years because. I mean, they were hiring black coaches, but I'm like, y'all not putting anything on the field. So it seems like that this organization is taking steps in the right direction to uh, be to, to be incredible, at least, at the very least, at least being credible. So you, you shored up your, your defense with a pick like Will Anderson Jr. You shored up, you, you, you anchored your quarterback position with C.J. Stroud. We're going to see where that goes, and that's going to be... Uh, that's going to be exciting to watch. But University of Alabama also had 10 picks, 10, 10 players drafted. But I'm a Georgia fan. 
I've been a Georgia fan. I've been here over 20 years, and that's the only team I adopted when I moved to Georgia was the University of Georgia, and I'm excited about that. They're, uh, they're, they're two, uh, national, two straight national championships, and I'm excited about just about the job that Kirby Smart did since arriving here in 2016. I mean, this guy has literally, I said it earlier, built a farm system. It seems like to the Eagles, but to the NFL. I'm just going to say to the NFL. But he has done an exceptional job. I mean, since he has gotten 2016. Now, you, now mind you, 2016, what is that? Six seasons? Seven, eight seasons? Yeah, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, He's won two SEC uh, championships and two national championships. He has built a program this quick. Like I'm not gonna not, I'm not gonna say like no other because Nick Saban uh, I, I don't I don't remember exactly how fast Alabama won their first national championship. But if Kirby Smart keeps going the way he's going, he's only 47 years old. He could possibly go down as the greatest college football coach in history. He's already won two straight national championships and two SEC championships. He's 47 years old, and this guy can recruit. And then once they get there, he builds the coaching staff where they are coaching these guys up, and they are basically sending guys to the NFL. They sent... 20, 59, 24, 29 players. No, 34. To the NFL in three years. 34 players. Drafted. These are not counting the undrafted free agents. He sent basically 34 players that were drafted in 21, 22, and 23. He built a great program down here. And the people of Georgia are excited. Georgia Bulldog fans are excited about this guy and, and the program that he's built. So kudos to, to Kirby Smart. I mean, great job down there. Great job getting these guys to the NFL. I'm, I'm, I'm praying that these guys do, do great things in the NFL. You know, good luck to them. Congratulations to all of them. Uh, but it's going to be exciting to see. Who makes what? And the Eagles just went to the Super Bowl last year. And then they add those two guys, uh, Jalen Carter and uh, Nolan Smith, as well as uh, Keely Ringo, Kaylee Ringo, to a team that just went to the Super Bowl. Man, they're going to be exciting to watch this year, man. Whew going to be good to see them but we'll see how that goes uh with the georgia bulldog north uh coming up uh you know on later on in the show Deion sanders said he was disappointed with the number of hbcu players drafted in nfl i'll give my opinion on that as well as my take on the nba playoffs followed by my what's what's on my mind segment stay tuned for that we'll be right back
Welcome back to the Case by Case Basis podcast, where we don't always agree with black people or white people, Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, liberals, gay or straight. We just take the information that we have been given, look at it, evaluate it, make a decision on how we feel about it on a case by case basis, because that's what we think everyone should do. The Golden State Warriors eliminated the Sacramento Kings last night in game seven of round one of the Western Conference playoffs. And if you guys have been paying attention to all the sports reporters today, last night after the game, we all know Steph dropped 50. I mean, he was all over the place, man. I mean, the handle, pulling up from 30, just whatever the Warriors needed last night, he gave it to them. And you see why they're champions. You know, I mean... It wasn't as if the Kings were not trying. They weren't giving effort or anything like that. You just saw that the Warriors were champions. I mean, okay, he dropped 50. Andrew Wiggins added 17 points and Klay Thompson added 16. But the other player that was, to me, was the biggest part of the game was Kevon Looney. He dropped 11 points, but he grabbed 21 rebounds. And I don't know. It just seems like anything that needed to be done as far as, like, dirty work, he was there. I mean, grabbing rebounds, playing defense. I mean, you know, altering shots. He just seems like, look, they just looked like a championship team last night. I mean, he was a huge part of the game. But, of course, the story was Steph. I mean, 50 points, uh, eight rebounds, six assists. He was just all over the place. But you know what? The reason I say the Warriors, they just look like a championship squad because the whole time I was watching, even watching the game, even when the Kings were up, it just never seemed like they were going to lose. I just never thought that the Kings were going to win this game. They were on their home court. The crowd was was getting into it when they were up, but it just never seemed it. it they just never seemed like they they were going to lose this game. And I don't know if it was body language. I don't know. It definitely wasn't lack of effort or confidence. The Kings came out confident, and they looked like they was going to. You know, they looked like they were ready, but it just seemed like Steph was. He was just not going to let them lose. It just seems like seemed like one team was already at that championship level and another team was getting there. And I don't know if the, the, the Kings are going to get there. We've seen this in the past where we say, okay, yeah, the next year, their year. Look, there's no guarantees in this league. You know, just like they reached uh, the number three seed and they got knocked out in the first round, somebody else is coming. So we don't know what kind of draft picks people are going to get. We don't know. Uh, what first-year player is going to make that huge step this year, we don't know. But the Warriors just showed their championship medal last night. And the Kings did give, give the impression, though, that, you know, hopefully with experience, this could be a stepping stone to bigger things. But like I said, we don't know. I'm just going to wait and see. I'm not going to be that guy just, cut, just to come out and say, oh, wait till next year, man, because you know what he did. No, it's not. It's, it's, it, there's no guarantees. So... Oh, we've seen other teams, you know, get right there. Uh, but they just got to the first round. 
and they were never able to get get over the hump. So we all know that the, the, the guys from from back in the days, and even the guys who are retiring now, who who retired without rings. So nah, I'm not going to proclaim that you know that next year or, or, or two or three years. Oh yeah, they're going they're going to get there. I don't know. I do know one thing though. The Aaron Fox is that dude. And he's only going to get better. So, I mean, if as long as they stay on that trajectory, that trajectory, they do have a chance to get there. But, I mean, look, the Nuggets, they don't seem like they're going anywhere neither. So, uh, we're going to see. We're going to see. I don't want to talk about Memphis because, yo, they got beat by 40. So, I mean, and nah. I mean, they, they had all this bravado and, and and all of this talking. That's the difference between the Kings and the Nuggets and the Grizzlies. It seems like those guys are just working to get to that next level. And the Grizzlies, at least for now, are given this aura that, they, that they've already arrived just because they won a lot of the regular season games. It's not about just winning, about, winning a lot of regular season games. It's about getting to that next level. So, look, go to, go back to the gym and, and, and work and get better and just keep your eye, eye on the prize. That's, that's all I'm going to say about, the, about Memphis because, like I said, they got beat by 40. And I did talk about the Denver Nuggets briefly, but they did grab game one of their series with the, uh, with, with the Phoenix Suns. And like I said, oof, they look damn good, man. And Jamal Murray looks like he is on a mission. He dropped 34 points and dishing out nine assists and grabbed five rebounds, man. And Nikola Jokic, he's a two-time MVP. So, and I didn't even know. See, this is how much I don't pay attention to the Western Conference. I didn't even know they had Aaron Gordon. They have a legitimate big three. And they're the number one seed. They could legitimately come out of the West. And whatever team in the East comes out, because Milwaukee's gone. So, I mean, if Embiid is hurt, the Celtics, they look good. But, man, if Denver comes out, Jokic, Murray, and Gordon, they're going to be tough to beat if they come out of the West, man. So... I mean, they, they, they look legit. And I did pick the, uh, the Suns to come out of the West. <sighs> Initially, I was going to say uh, I still think they'll find a way to do it. But now nah, I'm just going to sit that one out. I'm just going to sit and enjoy that series. I'm not going to make any more predictions. I said, initially, I said, I think the Suns are coming out of the West because they got Kevin Durant. But, man. Denver looked tough, man. Denver looked tough. Even though Durant and Devin Booker, man, they dropped tw- uh, 29 and 27 respectively, but they still lost, man. So, I mean, if, if the Suns are going to do it, I think they need to pull out this game tonight. If they pull out this game tonight, then I'll say, okay, yeah, we have a legitimate series because now it's going to be the best three out of five. But if Denver wins tonight, it's going to be hard for the Suns to beat. Denver, the next four out of five games, man. Not the way they're looking. So um, I'm gonna sit that one. You know, you can't can't really sit it out. 
I'm still gonna go with the Suns, but it's gonna be tough, man. And if 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 Denver beats the Suns, I believe they're coming out of the West. I don't think the Lakers or the Warriors will beat them. I mean, they can. They got they got that veteran savvy. LeBron has that championship medal. You know, the Warriors they just won last year, so oh, it's it's man. Whoever plays. Whoever makes it to the Western Conference Finals is going to be exciting. Suns, Lakers, Denver, Golden State, Suns, Golden State, whatever. It's going to be an exciting season. I'm going to be checking all of those games. So, But the game that I, of course, had the most vested interest in was the Knicks versus the Heat. And the Knicks looked good in the first half. I mean, you know, they, they came out. They were leading in, in, at, at, at halftime, but then the Heat just caught up to him and pulled away from him, man. And Kevin Butler is that Kevin Butler. Jimmy Butler is that dude. I mean, yo, can anybody stop this guy besides that rolled ankle? Now, he, he did get hurt in the fourth quarter. But by that time, you know, it, the game wasn't over, but they had a big enough lead that they could just, you know, they couldn't cruise, but they were able to, they had a big enough lead to, to, to sustain it. So the Knicks lose game one at home, and it's going to be hard to beat the Heat now. I, I'm all on, I'm, look, I'm all on board with the Knicks. I, I always am. Even though I go on my rants and stuff like that, I'm on board with the Knicks. But, man, the Heat look tough, man. The Heat look tough. So, I mean, Bam out of bio dropping 16. Oh, who else, man? I just want to pull up my notes. I don't even want to. Gabe Vincent, he dropped, what, 19? He dropped 20. I mean, Lowry dropped uh, 18. So, look, I'm going to enjoy the game. But, but I think they play tomorrow night. So, I'm going to look for it. But, <sighs> I'm rooting for the Knicks. I'm rooting for the Knicks. I'm from New York. Like I said in my last segment, the only team when I came down here that I kind of took on is the University of Georgia, so I'm definitely not a Hawks fan. But, man, I really wanted them to pull out game one, man, so just so they can they can, they, they can get on that road to making the Eastern Conference Finals. But it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough. And I, I believe Julius Randle is going to have to come back. I thought maybe they could pull it out without him. And, you know, Brunson played a good game, but, you know, he, he, he kind of he slacked off. But, I mean, look, nobody's perfect. Uh, I'm still a big fan of his. I like the way he brought this team together. R.J. Barrett, you know, he did his thing a little bit. Let me pull up their numbers. Uh, R.J. Barrett dropped 26. Uh, Jalen Brunson dropped 25. Obi Toppin poured in 18. But to me, he just takes too many three-pointers, man. I mean, look, that guy's a wingman. Look, he needs to be... On the wing, just 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 doing spectacular dunks, man. He needs to bring it in a little bit, man. And what happened to the post game, man? I am so sick. 
That's why a lot of times I can't watch NBA games. Everybody's just playing around the three-point line. Everybody's chucking up threes, man. Even on fast breaks, you see them. They, they get down down in the paint and they pass it, they pass it back out. It's like nobody wants to take the easy tool. But, see, that's you hear my frustration? You hear my frustration? That's me with the Knicks. That's when I, that only happens when I watch the Knicks games because, man, I just love that team so much. And then they let me down every year. So, but I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. And I think even if they t- get taken out in the second round, I can see where they're growing and they're coming together and they can make things happen. But like I said before, it's never a guarantee. You know, they were coming before and they, they, they never got over that hump. But it's going to be an exciting second round, though. So I don't think, uh, especially without Embiid, I don't think the Philadelphia 76ers, 76ers is going to give Boston much trouble. Uh, if Embiid comes back, that's going to be a nice series. Um, the Suns, if they lose tonight, I'm, I'm actually going to just probably switch over and go with Denver. The Lakers versus the Warriors is going to be exciting. You know, you have Steph Curry and LeBron James. Seeing who can get, who, who can have the potential to get that fifth ring, so it's, it's it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting. I'm definitely going to check it out, and we'll see. We'll see. So, okay, uh, you guys stay tuned for the next segment. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Deion Sanders' disappointment with the NFL draft and HBCU players, and. Of course, don't forget to check out the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. Subscribe on Spotify and give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Stay tuned for the next segment. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Case by Case Basis podcast, where we don't always agree with black people or white people, Democrats, Republicans, conservatives, liberals, gay or straight. We just take the information that we've been given, look at it, evaluate it, make a decision on how we feel about it on a case by case basis, because that's what we think everyone should do. We talked about the NFL draft in an earlier segment, and there were 259 players drafted into the NFL this weekend. There was only one player that was drafted from an HBCU. And that player was Isaiah Bolton from uh, Jackson State University. And Deion Sanders came out and he expressed his disappointment in that, saying that... uh, you know, he thought maybe three other players would have the chance to be drafted into the NFL uh, from Jackson State alone. And, you know, other people, of course, have expressed uh, disappointment as well. But Dion is the most prominent figure because, you know, he's Dion. Everyone knows who Dion is. 
So Isaiah Bolden, like I said, he was a defensive back from Jackson State. I'm going to give love <clears throat> to all the players, even though they were not drafted. They were offered free agent contracts, un- undrafted free agent uh, contracts to come try out for the teams. And I'm going to mention all of all of the players that I was able to look up and what school they went to. You have Mark Evans, who's an offensive lineman from University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. You have Shaq Davis from he's a wide receiver from South Carolina State. Well, Mike Evans, the third, actually the second. He uh, went to the New Orleans Saints. Shaq Davis went to the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Isaiah Land. He is a linebacker for FAMU. He got a free agent contract to the Dallas Cowboys. Aubrey Miller Jr., linebacker, Jackson State, went to the Miami Dolphins. Xavier Smith, wide receiver, FAMU, Los Angeles Rams. Joshua Pryor, defensive end, Bowie State, Washington Commanders. Andrew Farmer, defensive end, went to Lane College. Los Angeles Chargers, Jadakiss Bonds, wide receiver, Hampton, San Francisco 49ers. Keenan Isaac, defensive back, Alabama State, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ali Shockey, defensive back, Hampton, Washington Commanders. Daniel Dallas Daniels, wide receiver, Jackson State, Denver Broncos. Cam Peterson, defensive lineman, Southern Baltimore Ravens. Claudine Sherless, linebacker, Alcorn State, New York Jets. Dion Golat, quarterback, Bowie State, Baltimore Ravens. The, the John Nuggets Warren, cornerback, Jackson State, Chicago Bears. Raymond Boone, defensive back, Bowie State, Washington Commanders. Emmanuel Wilson, running back, Fort Valley State, Denver Broncos. Keshawn Moore, linebacker, Hampton, Indianapolis Colts. Ricky Lee, offensive lineman, North Carolina A&T, Carolina Pan- Panthers. And Darius Hagens, running back, Virginia State, Indianapolis Colts. Those are the guys who received uh, free agent, uh, undrafted free agent contracts to come try out for the team. Now, I'm going to give my take on it. Uh, I understand that, uh, you know, Dion, you know, he he coached at Jackson State. He's seen these players. He's, uh, He's been to the NFL. He knows what it takes. And he has more insight than I do. But in my opinion, it's it seems just that we lament the fact that HBCUs, we just don't have the facilities and uh, things of that nature. We don't have the facilities and the campuses and all the bells and whistles to attract top recruits. Now, if you don't attract top recruits with the recruits that we do get to HBCUs, they don't have, like I said, the facilities that a University of Alabama has or a University of Georgia has. You know, they have the, the, the facilities and the equipment so these guys can get trained and build themselves up better to prepare themselves for the, NBA, for, for the NFL. Now, if, if we're not getting the recruits, we don't have the facilities, we don't have the, the equipment to build them up, to prepare them for the NFL, then guess what? The NFL is probably not going to draft them. And I got to be honest, I didn't see many, uh, you know, F- FCS players get drafted. I saw one and uh, I was going I, I to go over the whole draft, but I, the one I saw in the first round, I believe he went to uh, North Dakota State. So, I mean, it wasn't a lot of FCS players that got drafted into the NFL. 
And I don't want us to have this idea that, you know, that they have to have some sort of like quota system. Well, every year we have to draft a certain amount of players from HBCUs. No, I don't want that. If these guys work and they build themselves up and they build up their game and a team takes a look at them and they want to, you know, spend that draft pick on them, hey, then do it. I just, I'm not, and, and like I said, Dion, he was in the NFL. He saw these players at Jackson State. He said he saw at least four that had a chance to to be drafted. Only one was drafted. And he's seen both sides. But it just seems kind of, it doesn't seem like the NFL would say, I'm just not going to draft this guy just because he went to an HBCU. I don't think uh, that would be something that they would do. Now, um, do I wish more players from HBCUs got drafted? Sure, of course, of course. But but, but you have these guys. I mean, some of these guys, like like the Alabamas, the the the, the Colorados, where, where, where Dion is now, the, the Pac-10 schools, these Power Five schools. They get guys that are coming out of high school that darn to look NFL ready already. And then they have the facilities and equipment to, to, to build them up even further. So those are the guys that, that, that get looked at. And to have 20 guys get undrafted free agent contracts just from HBCUs, I think that's pretty good. And, and like I said earlier, I do want more HBCU players to be drafted, but not is sort of like a a, a, a quota. I'll just, I'll just go ahead and say it for lack of a better term. And I don't think that's what Dion wants. But I, I think what Dion was saying, these guys that are getting looked over or, or passed over, look, here's what would make me happy. If HBCUs got more players that were invited to the Combines so they can see what they can do, um... If we were able to improve our facilities so we can build these players up, if we were able to improve our facilities so we can get better, uh, better recruits, not that these guys aren't talented that's coming to the HBCUs, but I mean, these are not the four and five star guys. And you have guys who see that they're going to take it. I would say most of the time, one of two ways, either they say, look, okay, I'm going to go here and get my education and, and, and do the best I can. But some of them will go to these go to HBCUs and they'll have a chip on their shoulder and say, well, wait a minute, I should have been a five-star. And they're going to work and they're going to work and they're going to work and, and, until they can either get that draft or if they're going to come in as undrafted free agents, they're going to go in there with a chip on their shoulder and they're going to make this team and, and they're going to make it work. But I, I just, I think people should come and look at the HBCU players, but don't make it. A, I'm all for diversity, diversity and inclusion, but not at the just for the sake of diversity and inclusion. We're going to draft this guy just so we can show that we're drafting from HBCUs. No, that's where I think you know we, we just need a straight meritocracy. That's it. I don't want anybody in there saying, "Yeah, I got drafted from Morgan State because they needed to have." someone drafted from HBCU. No, I, I don't want that. You know, 
And I'm not, and, and like I'm going to say it one more time. I'm not saying that the guys at, at, the, at the HBCUs are not talented, but any one of us that has seen, you don't even have to go to HBC, HBCU game. Let's look at an FCS game as opposed to an FBS game. That's a, a Power Five game. The quality is just way different. I mean, it's 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 huge. The game, the, the games when you when you see the the, the HBCUs, or even when you see Sacramento State versus another FCS school, North Dakota State versus Montana, and they, look, it's different watching that as opposed to watching Auburn, Alabama. So the players are looking at Auburn, Alabama, and they say, "Look, this is where we're going to draft our players from." And, you know, it's, like I said, it's not to say that we're not going to invite these guys in. We're just not going to use a draft pick to get these guys. And Mel Kuyper, you know, I mean, he actually had a pretty good point. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear it. A lot of times you'd rather be an undrafted free agent because then you get to pick the team that you go to rather than be like a seventh round draft pick. If you're a seventh round draft pick, there's only one team that you can go to. If the 49ers pick you up, pick you up in the seventh, seventh round, you just have a chance to sign with the 49ers. That's it. And then when they cut you, then if they cut you, then you can go and, and, and you can look around to see which other teams that you want. But if if you're an undrafted free agent, you know, three or four teams can call you if they're interested. And you can just choose choose which one's the better situation. You know, if Isaiah Bolden. If he goes into a situation where they already have three, four cornerbacks, and now he's trying to sift his way through that situation, as opposed to going to a a, a team that only has one cornerback and he has a better chance of making a team, I'm pretty sure he would prefer to go to the team where he has a better chance of making a team. You know, you get to pick. So I'll end it here and say, I respect Dion. It, when, when he got all all of the backlash for leaving Jackson State, I was totally on his side. And like I said, he knows way more about this than I do. So, I mean, he's been both both places. And if he sees some players at Jackson State that he says, you know what, maybe these guys should have been drafted, there's no way for me to say, nah, no, they shouldn't just because they went to HBCU. No. But I just don't, I just want to be careful. And I just don't want to be wanted to be a situation where people are drafting players from HBCUs just because they want to seem like hey hey look at we're doing look what we're doing we're all for diversity and inclusion no no if they're good enough draft them if not invite them in uh, as an undrafted free agent and let them and, and and let them uh do their thing from there because at the end of the day and I said this in, in a prior episode the biggest thing about being drafted is you want to be drafted as high as possible because the money is better. But all of these, all these players will tell you the one thing that they want is an opportunity. If they get drafted to, if they get invited to camp, now they know. Okay, now it's all up to me. I just all I wanted was an opportunity to get in there to show what I can do. And I think most of them will, will, will be good with that. Is it good to be drafted and hear your name called? Of course. That is the best, man. But I just don't want it to be a situation where we're only doing it just so we, we can have this false sense 
that, hey, look at what we're doing. No. You draft the players that you think is that that that, that you think can best help your team, and then you take it from there. Stay stay tuned for the What's on My Mind uh, segment of the program. Thank you guys for listening. Stay tuned for the What's on My Mind segment of the show where I will give my take on current events, whether it be politics, sports, politics, dealing with sports, current events, or anything that happens to be on my mind at the time. Usually it'll be something that uh, has hit the news and I just wanted to give my take on it. So stay tuned for that section of the show and I thank you for listening. Okay, what's on my mind? My daughter and I, Kiana, we had this discussion on the show once and we were talking about different systems of government. It started out as just me saying something just off the cuff where we were talking about different generations and the political parties. And I said, I made the comment that Democrats, like established Democrats or older Democrats, they kind of... Uh, get scared and leery if someone calls them like a socialist. And I said, that's the difference between our generation of Democrats and Gen Z. And I said, if someone called you, called you guys a socialist, you guys would take it as a badge of honor. And my daughter said, no, she said, Shoot. some of us would even want to be called communists. And we laughed at it. And we discussed the different uh, t- types of government after that. But I was just thinking about capitalism itself. And the things that goes into capitalism. Now, I'm all for capitalism. Make as much money as you can. You come up with an idea. You hire employees. You work your butt off 18 to 20 hours a day. No one should be able to tell you that you have to give 90% of what you make to the government over a certain amount. No one should be able to tell you that. You know, you you were not there. You made this money. You should be able to pay a, pay a reasonable amount of taxes, and that's it. But I do have an issue when we have total capitalism, where the government is saying no, just total capitalism. And what happens in those instances is everything falls under capitalism, and that's where I say, well, no. You know, make as much as you can. But it seems as if the government is always telling us things cost too much, this costs too much, that costs too much. And I'm pretty sure if we go over, and I'm going to give you guys some examples. If we go over everything that the government spends money on, we can find more than enough money to support a lot of social programs. One social program I think we should have, of course, is healthcare. No one should go bankrupt because they had a hospital stay. We should have, in my opinion, 100% total universal health care in the United States. You go to the hospital, you need uh, surgery, you need uh, colonoscopy, you need, uh, you know, whatever, breast exam, whatever. You should be able to walk in there and because you pay taxes here in the United States, you should be able to walk into that doctor's office, get whatever you need and leave. 
There are too many people who are dying of diseases because they don't have a lot of money. And we live in a society already. Okay, I get it. You know, you have people who have more money who's going to be treated better than people who have less money. You know, that's just people who think if they treat these people uh, better than they treat everyone else, maybe they'll get their hands on their on their money or something. I don't know what, what, what it is, it's, but it's a mindset. You know, we hear it all the time. Oh, my God, that that billionaire, he was so humble. It's like he was supposed to be something else. Like he's supposed to be this butthole that, you know, looks down on everyone and chastises everyone just because they have money. But healthcare is definitely something that we should not be going bankrupt over. Yeah. Also, uh, what falls on the capitalism and people don't like it, but religion. And and I'm not naive. I know that a lot of people see religion was always a hustle. You know, the pastors and the heads of, of a lot of religious organizations always have more money than their parishioners because the money that's donated, people say, hey, well, you know what? They, they, they're siphoning off the top. I have no evidence of that, but you can pretty much look at it and you can see that a lot of them do that. But religion should not be uh, based on how much money you have. Now, I'll give you an example of what I mean. If you if you look at the mega churches, you know, whether it be Joel Osteen, Creflo Dollar, uh, T.D. Jakes, or whoever, and you have people who donate money to these churches all the time. And you have someone who just randomly wants to get married, but they are only able to donate maybe $15, $20 per Sunday or whatever. They have no, they, they, they don't have any chance whatsoever. 100% they are not going to go to a Creflo Dollar or a TD Jake and say, can you perform my wedding? You know, I mean, with few exceptions, I'm not going to say 100%, but let's just call the spade a spade. If someone is donating a lot of money or this person has a high profile, yeah, you know, they will perform that ceremony for whatever reason. It could be that if I perform this wedding for this high profile person, it will bring a, a higher profile to my church, which, which would then uh, lead to more donations, which will lead to my church growing. But you see what I'm talking. You see what I'm getting at. It's all capitalism. It has nothing to do with the actual word itself. It's capitalism that's sparking that. And I don't think that should be under that. But hey, that's what it is. You know, I don't think that uh, that's right, but. Hey, it is what it is. I mean, they, even dating. And another thing, I'm going to say it again. I'm not naive. I know that rich guys and rich rich people always had uh, more options when it comes to dating because they have money. They can take you better places. They can get into. Uh, they, they can get you involved with different circles that, that that you weren't involved in before. But if you just took purely what dating is supposed to be. You know, you're supposed to, you know, or or not, I'm not going to say what it's supposed to be. What people say they want. I want someone who I'm compatible with. 
someone who I enjoy being with. How much money they have. Well, shouldn't even enter the equation. Because if you say, well, I enjoy being with this person because of the places that they take me, then you're not really enjoying them. You're enjoying the places that you go. I'm talking about just purely enjoying someone's company. Money should have, shouldn't have anything to do with it, but it does. We live in a capitalist society, and I'm not knocking it. It's, it's, just, it's just the truth. Now, I would rather be with people that I enjoy, especially now that I'm older, I'm middle-aged. You know, I mean, when you were going to school or, or you just went to work or, or, or you got involved in different organizations, there were people that you had to be around. But I'm talking about free time, not worrying about, you know, where we're going or anything like that. People that I genuinely enjoy being around, that should have nothing to do with money. And that's what dating is. And that's what, you know, that's what it's become. It's become something that's subjected to capitalism. So, and I don't think that, 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 that's, that you should do that because you, 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 you know, you give yourself a disservice, but Hey, you do what you do. It's no big deal. But like I said, I am all for, you know, going out there, working your butt off and making as much as you can and keeping it for yourself. I just don't like the fact that the government is saying that we're going to try to be purely, purely capitalist. And, and, and we know what, 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 what Democrats are going to say, well, you know, the, these programs should exist. Republicans are going to say, no, we're purely capitalist. But then they're going to be spending money on their little social programs with, uh, with, with subsidies that they give to uh, companies and tax breaks and things like that. You don't think that's socialism? Give me a break. But it was just something that I thought about after my daughter and I had the conversation on the show. We were talking and I said, you know what? Yeah, I think any any government, uh, any one of the government entities, you know, I would prefer capitalism over uh, any of the others because I don't think anyone should be stifled or anyone should be limited and in, in, in what they can accrue. But I do think that every country, especially the richest ones, especially uh, the, the, the government of the United States, where, I mean, we, we, we're talking about trillions of dollars that change hands, you know, in the government. No one should go bankrupt because of health care for getting sick. You know, I mean, if, if you're going to a church, you know, no one should be treated any differently just based on how much money they have. You know, you guys are supposed to be the religious people and saying, hey, you know what? God's going to provide. Well, maybe God's trying to provide through you, but you're saying no, because they only gave $10 in a collection plate. <laughs> you know what I mean? So if, if, if that's what you're doing, don't sound like God to me. But like I said, and, and one more thing when it comes to the church, though. I'm not one of those people, to, neither, that, that says, you know what? Oh, this pastor shouldn't have this. This pastor that shouldn't have that because I'm not donating. If I'm not donating, I don't have any skin in the game. But that's another story for another day. But all in all, you know, I, 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 I do uh, prefer the capitalist system. But I do think we should have some socialist pro- policies and some socialist programs here in the country that keep our citizens from hitting rock bottom. 
That's what's on my mind. You guys let me know what you think. Thanks. Thanks for listening.